abundantly above or beyond all that we can ask or think. Now, I know each one of you have an imagination. You can dream. God's given you the ability to dream. We've all probably dreamt and seen ourselves doing things. But you know what? God's given us that for a reason. And he has placed things inside of us, things inside of us that are even beyond what we could ask or think at this point in time in our lives. All that we could ask or think, but this is the part that we're going to focus on tonight. According to the power, to the power, to the power that works within. So all of these things hinge on the one thing, the power. The power of God that is working within. Mm -hmm. So to ask and to imagine all of these things and for God to do abundantly more, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think, it's all hinged on the power. The power, now this isn't just, you know, our power. This power here, this is dunamis. This is like explosive power. This is God's power working in us. You know, it's not by our own ability. It's not by our own strength. And sometimes I think we maybe lose sight of that. And we, we start doing things in our own ability, in our own strength, in the flesh. But you know what? That's not the way God designed it to be. God put that power inside of you for a reason. He put it inside of you for you to use it. It's not in there to be dormant. It's not in there to just, you know, hibernate and only come out in the winter or the summer or whenever. It's there to be used at all times. According to the power that works inside of us. That tells me that in order for that power to be working inside of me, that I have to allow God to become greater in my life. Like John said, he must increase so I can, or he, I must decrease so he can increase. For God to increase in my life, I have to decrease. For God, when God increases in my life, his power increases in my life. Not that the power is still in there, but when I give God place and room to allow that power to come out, to move, that's when he's increased. And I've, my flesh, my desires have decreased. Now, who's, who is this power available? Is it available to absolutely every person on the planet? Let's look at Acts chapter 1. Clearly tells us who this power is available for. Now, this is where Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives. And um, it was his last day on earth. And he was gathering all the people together. And he was instructing them to stay there and to, and to wait in Jerusalem until they received what was promised to them. And we see that in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. But we want to look at verse 8. Because this shows us who this power that's inside or is working inside, who's that available for? This dunamis power. But you shall receive, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
So it's not available to absolutely every person on earth. I mean, it is if they choose to avail themselves of it. But the key is for the, that for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. The Holy Spirit must come upon us, come in, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that power comes in. That dunamis power. Now the word dunamis means inherit power. It's the power to reproduce itself. I like that. The power to reproduce itself. It's miraculous power. Now, you know, it, it comes from the same word as dynamite. Dynamo, dynamite. But it's not like one stick of dynamite going off once. It's like a bunch of sticks of dynamite going off like in succession right after one another. It's just, it's just like powerful, amazingly powerful. And this is what God has placed inside each one of us that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to anyone who is saved. So, and God, it's God's will that each one of us be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because he, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then that's when God wants us to operate in this dunamis power. And so many people get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they don't realize what, what is inside of them. I'm the, I mean, I'm talking the power of God. The living God is inside of them. The power that can destroy every obstacle that comes in their way. The power that can destroy every devil that tries to stand in their way. This is the kind of power that's in the, on the inside of every spirit-filled believer. That's the power. And I think sometimes we just have to remind ourselves, this is what's inside of me. This is what I am holding. This is what God has entrusted to me to use. You know, Paul, he, he operated in this power. We see all throughout the book of Acts. And, you know, two-thirds of the, of the New Testament he wrote. And we see how he operated in the power of God. And if we turn to Romans chapter 1, it's Paul talking, and he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why is he not ashamed of the gospel or the good news? For it is the power of God. And that word power is dunamis. It is the dunamis power of God for salvation. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Why? Because it is the power. It's the explosive power. It is the inherent power. It is the power that has the ability to reproduce itself, that goes off and goes off in succession, time after time after time. This power, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, for it is the power of salvation, and listen to this, to everyone who believes. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Right. Now, the first experience that we have with this power it, it is when we get saved in the sense that, that it's a miraculous working in our lives. When we ask God to come in and Jesus to come, come into our hearts, that's the first miraculous thing that happens in our life. Because he, he takes something that is dead and he makes it alive instantly. He takes something that is filthy and dirty and he cleanses it immediately. That, what other power do we know of that can do something like that? 
There is no other power. That's the first experience that we have with this power. And then when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it resides in us every day. It's the power of God that goes with us everywhere to help us throughout our day daily, to help us with our walk with God. But you know what? This power is not just for ourselves. If we keep this power to ourselves, we are being selfish. And that's not who God is because God's a giver. God gives, God gave. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He didn't keep the one thing that he loved. He gave it. He gave it. And it multiplied back to him. He gave one son and he inherited many. And just think, when we give out the power of God, the power of God that can come back into our life. Because we give out that power. So Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is, he is not ashamed of it. You know, 2 Timothy, uh, and I, I've got a few scriptures here, so you'll have to keep up tonight. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5, it talks about in the last days. That there's going to be men, or men, women, people that will deny the power. In, verse three, in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, um, malicious gossipers, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Man, we see that now, don't we? But then it doesn't stop there. One more thing we see in these last days. Holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. They denied the power. They hold to a form of godliness. It's a form of godliness. It's not the real deal. Because real godliness has power. If there's no power, it's not the real thing. It's only a form of godliness. It's, it's an imitation of real godliness. Because imitations, though, will not have the power of God behind it. But they, so they hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. I looked up that word denied in the Greek, and it means to refuse, to say no to, to be ashamed of. So in these last days, men or people will hold to a form of godliness, but they will refuse the power. They will say no to the power. They will be ashamed of the power. Oh, that would, that, that would never be one of us. That we would not get to the place that we're embarrassed by the power of God. Oh, no, I brought my friend. I hope they don't pray in tongues. I hope they don't pray and lay hands on the sick tonight because uh, they're not really used to that. And, you know, they might not like that. That's being ashamed of the power. But saying, no. I'm going to bring my friend that doesn't know Jesus, and I hope they pray in tongues. I hope they pray for the sick. I hope we see miracles tonight, because they need to see that. 
That's being not ashamed of the gospel. You know, and you're out with someone like Joshua Ellen <laughs> in public. <laughs> you're on the front row. You always get picked on when you're on the front row, don't you know that? Oh, yes. In public with Joshua Allen, he just starts praying for someone he doesn't even know. And you start curling back and trying to get away. It's like, I don't know him. Really, just met the guy. I didn't know he was going to do that. That's like Peter, right? Denying Jesus three times. Yeah. But that, that's being ashamed of the gospel and denying the power thereof. And we don't want to deny that power because that very power is the thing that sets us free. That very power is the thing that will deliver our friends, that will deliver our neighbors, that will deliver our co-workers, that will deliver our family members. We don't want to be ashamed of it. But we want to be like Paul and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Um, first, Second Timothy first, 1, 7 says, For God has not given me a spirit of fear. We quote this all the time. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. That word power is dunamis. Yeah. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of the dunamis power. He has placed that spirit within you. Every spirit-filled believer has that, that dunamis power and love and discipline. Isn't that... I mean, to me, that's just like, wow. That power. That power of God. The power of li the living God. That same power that Jesus operated in on this earth. When he left, he said... Don't be afraid. Don't be sad. It's all right. I must go. But I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to leave the Helper. And then he said, don't leave from Jerusalem. Stay here. Wait until you receive the, the thing that I promised you. What is that? That the Holy Spirit. Now, he's, and then in verse 8, like we read, it said they waited in the upper room. They were praying. They were in one accord. And the wind blew. And on them came the Holy Spirit. And it filled them with that power. Filled them with that power. You know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is much more than just being able to pray in tongues. And sometimes I think that we think, oh, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can pray in tongues. I can pray in tongues. But do you realize that you're just stirring up that power inside of you? Stirring up the power of God. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. He's given me that spirit. That miraculous, powerful spirit. You know, back to, to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, um, where Paul talks about it, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This dunamis power is for believers. So you have to believe. You have to believe. So what does it take to activate this power? Believing, you have to believe. Faith activates the power inside. Faith activates that power. We're just going to look at a, an example of that in Mark chapter 5. And we've all, you know, I, well, I shouldn't say all of us, but a lot of us have read this verse or heard this, this story before many times. The, the lady who had the issue of blood. And we're going to start at verse 25. 
And a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. And after hearing about Jesus, so she heard, she heard. So what does is, what is Romans tell us that when you hear and you hear about Jesus or Jesus is the word, right? So when we hear the word, what comes? Faith. 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 So she heard about Jesus. She heard about the word. She came up in the crowd behind him and she touched his cloak. She touched his garment. You think, well, what's, what's the big deal about that? Powerful. This is a powerful thing. For she thought, or in the margin it says, was saying. So she was saying. She was saying. She was speaking the word. She was saying, if I just touch his garments, I shall get well. That's faith. She spoke faith. She said, if I could just touch his garment, I know that I'll be healed. And immediately the flow of her blood was dried up. Immediately. That's better than Tylenol. <laughs> immediately. The flow of her blood was dried up and she felt, she felt it. She felt it. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. What did she feel? She felt the power of God. That dunamis power that was inside Jesus, she felt it. She felt it as soon as she touched his garment. She felt it leave him and come into her. And she knew that she was healed. But, and then let's, let's read on. It says, and immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself, in other words, he felt it, perceived in himself that the power, and if you look at that word, that's dunamis, that power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garment? And his disciples said to him, you see the multitude pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman was fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her. And she came and she fell down before him and she told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Her faith is what activated the power, that, that dunamis power in Jesus. It was her faith that activated it and she received what she needed. Faith activates it. That power. That's how we tap into that power. Through faith. Through faith. Noticed. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I was reading this um, article, and it was Billy Brim. Oh, I know where I wrote it. I knew I wrote it down. And this is what she said about Oral Roberts. And if you don't know who Oral Roberts was, he was a mighty man of God who did miraculous miracles. I mean, that man knew how to activate the power of God. And this is what she said that the, the Lord said to her about him. She, he said, Oral Roberts knew to tap the power. Others often simply lapped the power. They run laps around it as if it were a burning bush. They knew it was there, the power of God. They even preached about it, but they didn't reach it, and they didn't 
tap it. They didn't tap the power of God. They didn't know how to do that. And I look at this story and I think, look at all the people that were around Jesus. All those people were around. And, and to me, it's like what she, the Spirit of God said to her, right? That all these people lap around it. They don't ever tap it. And all these people were around Jesus. And only that woman tapped into the power that was available. The rest of them didn't. Why? They might not have known about it. They might not know what to do. But this woman did, and she tapped into it, into the power of God. You know, believers in the New Testament that we read about, they preached with that power. They preached with it. They gave everything they had to God. They gave it all. They truly said, I must decrease so God can increase. And as they did, I mean, the, the miracles that they performed were amazing I, I mean they, it, nothing stopped them it was like they were unstoppable because of that power that they had let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 and Paul this is Paul coming to the Corinthians and the Corinthians were idol worshippers they worshipped idols and they weren't they were not mature in the things of God and, and Paul came to them and he says in chapter 2, verse 1 um, to verse 4, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. In other words, he realized that they weren't that mature. And he couldn't come to them with, you know, these elegant words and these deep things of God. Now, if you look down farther in the, in the, in the chapter, um, there was others that he could go to. He said, you are mature. And so then he could speak to them about the deeper things. But these ones he couldn't. And he said in verse 2, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. So Paul just, he spoke a simple message to these people. But let's see what happened. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. They weren't deep things, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Dunamis power. Paul preached, and at times he preached the deep things of God, but other times he knew for new believers or people that hadn't heard about the things of God, he kept it simple but yet he demonstrated with the, with the Spirit and power. There was a demonstration of the Spirit and power. And we see that all throughout the, the New Testament of him doing that, demonstrating. He preached and he demonstrated. Um, he demonstrated, uh, uh, he showed a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, of dunamis power. He preached with signs, wonders, and miracles. Romans chapter 15. Verse 18 and 19. And this is Paul again speaking. He said, For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me 
That's a good thing to, for each of us to learn and do, hey? The only thing we speak is what God's accomplished through us. Resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. By word, he spoke the word, and by deed. And then in verse 19, in the power, in the dunamis power of signs and wonders, in the dunamis power of the Spirit. So he, he went around, he didn't, just, he didn't just speak the word, he didn't just go and teach them the word, but then he operated in the Spirit with power. And that's what we're to do. We take this power that's on the inside of us, those of, who, uh, those of us that are spirit-filled, and we go out there, and that's what we give them. We, yeah, we tell them the good news. We tell them the good news, but then we demonstrate in the spirit and power. In other words, those who are sick, we say, hey, can I pray for you? Because I know God who can heal you. He will heal you. I'll pray for you. He'll heal you. And we pray. They're healed. We see someone that's tormented, tormented by a, a, a demon, and we cast the demon out. And you know, when, when the world sees those signs and wonders, they will turn. Because this is the thing. We're supposed to walk by faith, right, and not by sight. But the world walks by sight, not faith. So because they're walking by sight, they're looking for something. They're looking to see something about God. And when they see it, it will turn their hearts. They will wake up because they're blinded. The devil has blinded their eyes. And they, cannot, they don't see the truth. But when they see the power of God, they cannot dispute that. And they will turn. And they will, I mean, I've read so many different cases of like John G. Lake or Smith Wigglesworth, you know, the, those men of God who went out, they healed people, and then those people got saved. Because it, the signs and the wonders. The signs and the wonders. It was the power of God. And that same power that Paul operated in, that Jesus operated in, that John G. Lake operated in, or Roberts operated in, we can operate in. Each one of us have that power when we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. So signs confirm the teaching. So in power of signs and wonders in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So when he taught in word and deed, signs, wonders, and the power of the Spirit, that's fully preached. Fully preached the gospel. When we want to fully preach the gospel, then we, we need to have the demonstration of the spirit and power. In these last days, we need the demonstration of the spirit. We need the word because the word's what builds faith. And faith activates that power. So we, can't, we are not diminishing the word because the word is very powerful and it's what changes our lives. But the power that's inside of us, it will change other people's lives. Mark 16, we've all read this before, the Great Commission. Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth. He's, he's done his job. 
He's already gone down to hell, beat up the devil, came back with the keys, and gave the keys. These are his last words that he speaks on this earth. And this is what he says. He tells us to go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So the first thing he tells us, you got to preach. That doesn't mean just some people standing up on a pulpit or on an alt or a, in a pulpit. That's all of us. That's all of us going out there, out into the workplace, out into the marketplaces, out to our families, out to our friends, to our neighbors in our neighborhood. Preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs. So he tells us to preach. In other words, you need to talk about Jesus. You need to tell about the goodness of God. You need to tell everybody you meet who God is and what he can do. And then he says, and then these signs will accompany what? Those who believe. The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The power. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The signs and the wonders. The world is looking for signs and wonders. They are looking for it. Billy Brim said this. She said the Lord was speaking to her about what it would take to wake up the world. He said they're going to have to see some power, some dunamis power of God. If we want the world to wake up, then we got to do our job. And that's share the power that's within us, the power that God has placed in there with them. And he, he said they'll wake up. They'll see it. They'll see the goodness of God. Verse 19, so then when the Lord Jesus had spoke to them, he, received up into he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And this is the disciples who he's talking about, and, or talking to. And they went out and they preached everywhere. Well, the Lord worked with them and he confirmed the word by the signs that followed. He confirmed the word. God will always confirm the word with signs to follow when we believe. When we believe. But we have to activate that power. You know, it, it can be like a sleeping giant almost, right? There's this giant inside of us. And some people, it's still sleeping. But we wake it up. We activate it with our faith. And when we activate that giant, it's a powerful thing that we need to use in our daily lives. Because God has big plans for each one of us. God has amazing things for all of us to do. And, and he says that we'll do them according to the power that works inside of us. His power working mightily inside each one of us. Working mightily. I want to read something to you from this book of John G. Lake bunch of different sermons that he very good book a uh, bunch of different sermons that he his it's about his life and his sermons and um he had seen the power of god 
in several places in the world. But he had also seen this same power wane. And he was saying to God, God, why is that? Why is this power not what it used to be? And he said, you know, what happened to the power that um, the Pentecostal movement had? You know, in the day of Pentecost, and, and then later on there was revivals that we saw. And so he, um, it's called the Portland Vision, but he couldn't sleep one night. So he walked in the shadows of the tall trees close to his house. He went to this park, and um, an angel appeared to him and um, was showing him different parts of the world, you know, that had seen this, this power, the power of God moving in these places. And he, you know, he said to them, why is it that, that we don't see this as much anymore? And the angel, who he saw in the park, said, I discern the heart of an angel, was, the heart of the angel was overwhelmed. In answer to this, the angel said, human selfishness and human pride have consumed and dissipated the very glory and heavenly power that God once gave from heaven to this movement as you held, have beheld tonight. Human selfishness and human pride have destroyed it. I mean, we can see that, right? Where our, our self-motives have gotten in the way. And we lose sight of why we're really here and what God has really called us to do and who God has called us to be. And then it goes on and he says, we were now at the foot of the pathway again. He took a step or two away and in a sort of despair, my heart cried out, angel, these are all struggling for, these are all struggling for want of an ideal. What constitutes real Pentecost? What ideal should be held before the minds of men as the will of God exhibit through the movement like this? During all this time, I had carried my Bible in my hand. Reaching for the Bible, he opened, the angel, opened it to the book of Acts ran his finger down over the second page to the portion where the Spirit of God came down from heaven. Proceeding through the book of Acts to its greater, great outstanding revelations and phenomena, he said, This is Pentecost as God gave it through the heart of Jesus. Strive for this. Contend for this. Teach the people to pray for this. For this and this alone will meet the necessity of the heart, human heart. And this alone will have the power to overcome the forces of darkness. When the angel was departing, he said, Pray, pray, pray. Teach the people to pray. Prayer and prayer alone, much prayer, persistent prayer, is the door of entrance into the heart of God. Human selfishness and human pride is what consumed and dissipated the power of God. But he says, the angel said, to strive for this power. Contend for it. In other words, don't let go of it that easily. Fight for it. Fight for what is rightfully ours. Teach the people to pray for this. We have to pray for it. And I'm going to prove it to you from Ephesians chapter 1. I mean, you say, yeah, that's just a book. Well, let's read it in the Word. 
Ephesians chapter 1. And these are the, the Ephesians prayers that we often will pray, or many will often pray. Let's just start in verse 17. We're going to go to verse 19. That the God of our Lord Jesus, so this is a prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So we're to pray that God will give us a spirit of wisdom and that God will give us a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. And then we're also to pray that the eyes of your heart the ours of our heart would be enlightened so that we would know what the hope of his calling, what the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. We're also supposed to pray and that we would know or understand or have a revelation of what is the surpassing greatness of his power. That word there is dunamis. That we would have a revelation knowledge that we would have an understanding of the, the greatness of this power toward us who believe. Who believe. This power is available, is in each, each spirit-filled believer. We activate it by faith, but we are to pray for it. We are to pray that, that the power of God would consume our lives and pray that it would that it would just consume the lives of people around us prayer and prayer alone much prayer persistent prayer persistent prayer striving for this contending for this praying for this striving for this contending for it, praying for it. Those are all action words. Those words all require us to do something. If I strive for it, I got to do something. I can't just sit back. If I contend for it, I've got to do something. It requires action on my part and prayer. Prayer is action. I pray for it. Persistent prayer. And when we pray, this is the door of entrance into the heart of God. Persistent prayer. Praying for the dunamis power. That the dunamis power would come, that is within us, would be activated, would come alive within us that we would pray for the revelation of the greatness of God's dunamis power towards us who believe. That's what Ephesians told us to pray for. Hallelujah. That we would contend for this. That we would strive for this. That we wouldn't just treat it lightly. That we wouldn't just say, oh, let's let the pastor do that. And a few of the leaders but that each one of us would do it. That each one of us would walk in the power of God and operate in the power of God the way God created us to do it. This is exciting. This, this truly is exciting. 
to know that God has entrusted us with the very power that Jesus had. He's entrusted us with that power to go out to lay hands on the sick and see them recovered, to go out and to cast out demons, to go out and, and, and to deliver someone from depression. Things that people like that, the lady with the issue of blood, she saw many doctors, she spent all the money she had, and she still was getting worse. There are many people in this world that are like this. There are many people in Leminster that are like that, that feel hopeless, that feel like they don't have a... There's no way out. But we have the answer. We have the answer that will immediately change their life. The demonstration of the Spirit and the demonstration of power. And that is, it is unlimited. The only limits there are is the limits we put on ourselves. When we limit ourselves, oh man, I don't think I can do that. And I don't know what they'll say. Uh, how are they going to react if I just start praying for them? What are they going to do? Do you think Paul really cared about that? No. Nope. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. He wasn't ashamed of it. He didn't care what people thought. I'm, I'm sure he prayed for someone and they didn't appreciate it. But that didn't stop him. And he... He changed, he affected so many people's lives because he was bold, because he, he didn't limit himself. But he just, he just allowed the power of God to work through him, to operate through him. And that's what we're to do, amen? Amen. amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight.